Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah LaVon. And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work. But don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life, trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses, for nurses, this is Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. Welcome back to Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. Today, we're going to talk about something that I get asked all the time, whether it's in DMs or on mentorship calls or in person with preceptees, and it is tips for how to check a cervix. I understand why I get asked this all the time, though. I It took me months to find, like, actually find a cervix, and then months after that to feel comfortable with finding a cervix all the time. I'd say it was probably about six months Whoa, that's a lot. Total, including the four months of training. So then two months Mm -hmm. on my own where I felt like I didn't need to always ask for a check behind. I was so concerned. Do you remember Um, the first time you checked a cervix? You know, I don't, I can't remember the first time I checked a cervix. Or like you found it? But yeah, I remember the first time I found a cervix. There's actually two stories I can think of. The first time I found one, I was so excited that I, uh, my preceptor took her hands out and she knew like she smiled at me like there's no way you're not going to find this one Justine and when I felt it I was like <gasps> and the, the the patient was like what and I was like you have the most perfect cervix like I felt <laughs> it it was four Cute. it was like 80 percent it was right there super anterior bulging bag it was so perfect and then another time on orientation the first time I really understood effacement mm. <laughs> I remember my hands were in there and, and I was like the preceptor was like what do you feel and I was like I it's thick. Like she feels thick. And the preceptor, <laughs> the preceptor, my preceptor was like, yeah, like I was like, yeah, that she's like, that's like, you know, 30, 20%. Like it's super thick. I was like, yeah, it's super thick. Like I get it. And then I look at the patient who's laying there and I was like, do you know what we're talking about? And she was like, well, like, I know I'm pregnant. <laughs> Like, Again, choice words. Right. 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 Early on. I'm yourself. like, oh, that's it really true. matters what we're saying. But what about you? <laughs> Um, I remember like anticipating checking a cervix because I don't know about you, but like in nursing school, I never checked anyone. And so it was like once I was a nurse and I, so I knew this was coming, but I was like, I, I, there was like a little bit of anxiety of like, I'm, I'm putting my fingers in someone's vagina. Like that, that, that's a skill that's like, I knew in my mind would eventually become very comfortable, but it was not totally comfortable from the beginning. And I remember being like, it's just a lot of mush in there. Like (laughs) I feel just a little lot of smushy. And, um, and then I remember very vividly the first time I found it, I don't know how long it was in. It wasn't too far in, like I'd probably checked 10 cervixes at one point, but I remember like kind of digging around and like, and then my finger like slipped in the hole. And I was like, it's a hole. Like there's like an actual other hole in there. Oh my God. And like, she was one centimeter and I was like, I, oh my God, like I'm looking for a hole. That's what I'm looking for at the end of the vagina. And then once I sort of like could picture the anatomy in my head of like, I'm going to the end of the vagina and then digging around for a hole, like that like made sense to me. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like, you know, when my fingers could separate, what is that? Like there was that skill after you sort of just like find the cervix. So I found the cervix, but then it took 
floor and a whole lot of cervixes before I felt like, oh, okay, I got this. No, totally. I honestly, actually, I'm glad you said that about understanding, like visualizing the anatomy because it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I was pregnant and I asked my husband to check my cervix where I was describing to him how to check a cervix. And he was like, well, yeah, it's like a bowl. Your uterus is like a bowl and I'm looking for a hole. Like I'm scanning the the bowl for a hole. And I was like, yeah. That's a great way to put it. And so like the bowl right? like, is sitting like at the in, bottom part. Yeah. So like you go like the lower the end segment. Yeah. It's like a bowl and you're just finding, you're finding the hole. And I was like, yeah, bowl in the that's hole. Like, great. I like, why did I ever think of that? And he found my cervix the first try and I was like, hole okay, in cool. the bowl. That's <laughs> going to be our new hashtag. Hashtag hole in the bowl. <laughs> so, yeah. So we want to talk a little bit today about our tips on how to find a cervix. And I'm going to go through just like basic tips and then we'll sh- share what we've learned along the way. Maybe like, what did you explain to your husband? Now I want to know, like if he found the cervix the first time. Yeah. So I just said, I, so I remember I was like, okay, so with two fingers and then you're going to go, you have to get through my vagina. And I don't think we think about through that, <laughs> right? Like, like right. <laughs> To get through my vagina. You have, well, that's a better word for that. I don't know. So you have to All pass the way through the vagina. Like you can't be just at the hole. You got to like get up right. in there. Get up in there. And I think that sometimes, um, so a little tip, sometimes I feel like when you're new, you go into the vagina a little bit, maybe two inches and you, you meet mm-hmm. resistance because it's tighter. And then you spread your fingers open and you're like, oh, I can only spread it mm. this much. She's two. Yep. But they're not through the vagina yet. So they have to get through, through the vagina. The vagina. <laughs> bowl in the hole, through the vagina. Uh, finding the bowl, the hole in the bowl. <laughs> so you have to get through, past the vagina, and um, to like an open space, right? So once you get past the vagina, you have more space to like open your fingers up because there's, mm. sit, you know, there's the bowl there, but below the bowl is a little bit of a space. And um, then I was like, I, personally, I like to go, towards the back then and then yeah. scan mm-hmm. my way forward. Mm-hmm. So for anyone listening, so I go, my two fingers are through the vagina. I reach the space. Then I reach back. You're kind of scooping your fingers yeah. under, like going towards the posterior side of the patient, like kind of, and what I would say is I'm imagining my fingers touching the vaginal wall on the, like, cause my fingers Bottom are side. facing up my fist, yep. like my two fingers facing upwards. And for sure, I'm pressing the vaginal wall, not pressing hard, but like touching it on the back part of my fingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. All the way to the back. The other thing I would add here is like that was helpful for me was you're looking for the end of the vagina. Like if you go in and you're not hitting the end, like imagine like a tunnel with a door at the end and yeah. the that's the the hole in the bowl. (laughs) Oh God. I hope we don't lose you, but stay stay with it. That like you're looking for the end of the hallway that is the hole in the bowl that's opening, right? And if you're in the hallway, the hallway's not two inches. The hallway's likely the entire length of your fingers and maybe more. That's why you see a provider like press on the top of the abdomen or you have them sit on their fists if they're comfortable or you have them, you put down the end of the bed to tilt the pelvis because it shortens that length of the vagina and brings the cervix forward, the hole in the bowl. I love we're going to stop. I love the hallway now too. Like the hallway. Yeah, you're going the down the hallway to the end of the hallway till you hit the door and the door is either cracked. It's a hole in the bowl. Uh-huh. It's either cracked up to 10 centimeters and wide open and then you, you, you're going to hit the baby. So how would you describe then like a posterior? Because then you're like. 
turning I mean, down the hallway. <laughs> it's like, where is, where is the door opening from? Yeah. Is it like just wide open, splitting down the middle? Like it's two sliding doors opening in the middle? Or does it crack left or crack right? And normally it's going to crack if you're facing the hallway to your right side. Like, right? That like you scoop under or like under, yeah. I suppose. It's yeah, not yeah. on the front. But I would say that that's like the right side of my head. I, I feel like we've probably lost people at this point. Let's backtrack. Yeah, but, we're going to rein it in. You know, if you're a metaphor person, think hallway to door, where's the sliver in the door? Like the door is either open, it's either closed and yeah. you dig around and you can't find an opening in the door or the hole, um, or you're searching for the, the hole. In the bowl. In the hole. <laughs> I love that. I hope that someone's listening and so annoyed with us right now, but it's okay. Hopefully that was helpful for a lot of people. Well, and a posterior cervix is like, is the whole point of when you're going in, most of the time, like the cervix starts posterior and then as the baby comes down, it becomes anterior. And then instead of looking for the, the hole, a lot of times you're actually looking for the baby's head. So you may go in and you're feeling around and you're like, whoa, round, hard softball, in here and then once you find that you're finding the hole on the head you yep. know because you may hit resistance where you're like whoa that's a head <laughs> yeah if you're you yeah know? you're feeling exactly the the soft the softball is the uterus essentially right you're feeling the uterus baby's heads inside of it and now you have to find the hole yeah that's like a lot of times pressing up in the bowl like it's flush with the uterus yeah. Right. And then it's you may feel the head and feel that resistance or the vagina. You checked it three hours ago and the vagina was much longer mm -hmm. than it was now because the baby has now come down. So now you're hitting the end of the hallway. It's like you've walked halfway down the hallway already uh -huh. because the doors come closer to you. Yep. No, I like that. And then that actually puts me gives, gives me a good segue to say if you're hitting baby's head, but the cervix is posterior and you're having to go all the way around to get to the cervix. And it's a scoop. By posterior, it's like a, your fingers are on the bottom part of the vagina towards their sacrum. And then you're going all the way back on the tissue, feeling the smush till you hit resistance and then sort of sweeping your fingers forward across that resistance. So it's like mm -hmm. you're running your fingers across the door or you're from running your right. fingers mm -hmm. from like the bottom up top or left to right. Yep. Right to left. It's yeah. Always, it's on their left side, but like if we're facing the vagina on our right side. Yeah. And to remember that just because you felt like you went in farther because it was a posterior cervix doesn't mean baby's minus two, minus three. Mm. Because remember, you had to pass the baby's head to yeah. get around it. So baby's and like lower scoop than you might around think. the baby's head. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, we forget that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. That's the idea of like going, making sure you get through the vagina. What is the vagina length? It's like two and a half to four inches, an average vagina length. I think like four. Like, like Sarah said, as the yeah. baby comes down, that hallway gets shorter. And then you're scanning for a hole. I like to say that a closed cervix feels like a rollo. Um, some oh, people will say too, yeah, like, I've heard like that. half a centimeter or one centimeter is kind of like a cheerio. Maybe half a centimeter is like a cheerio. You can't really get your mm -hmm. finger through, but it's a little bit open. You find and, a little nubbin. Yeah. A little, and then you're like, ooh, there's actually space in there. It's not a Rolo. It's not closed. Yeah. And um, I will say that I recommend checking on yourself if that's something you're comfortable doing because you can feel a closed cervix. Slash a divot. I've checked mine and I have a divot. 
You haven't did it yet. Did you check closer yeah. to your period, I wonder? Because their cervix opens up a little to release. I mean, what? I didn't check on my period. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, like before me. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't a, know. A tip, it would be to check it bef- a little bit before your period because the cervix comes forward closer to our period. Oh. So it'll be a little easier for you. But everyone out there, find your hole in the bowl. Slash, for me, it's like a, I have like a nubbin in there. Like, and actually, if you look at like speculum pictures, the cervix like dips out. It's not flat. It like pops out like a like, like a, a bigger than a Rolo. My yeah, cervix is bigger than a Rolo. Yeah, <laughs> These are intimate bigger. details about our cervixes on this episode. So yes, check yourselves if you can and you feel comfortable with that. Um, so what yeah. about station? Oh, station yeah, is want- the one. Station is the one. I want you to go over station because I feel like you're more confident with station than anyone I've ever met in my life. And uh, and you have that really good cheek analogy if you feel comfortable. Oh, yeah, the cheek. Okay, 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 okay. So our three components, there's really five components of a vaginal exam, but we'll go with three for now, right? There's dilation, which we just talked about. Effacement is the thinning. So one of the ways that I was, I, I've learned along the way, if you look at the space between your pointer finger and your thumb, so everyone look down and stretch your fingers wide, there's that skin between them. Feel that skin. That is what you're feeling if your fingers were to go alongside and feel on the side of your fingers to feel for how thin that skin is. This is like 90 to 90-ish percent mm-hmm. effaced. 100% effaced. I'm, I'm skipping. I'm going to station. I just got very distracted with effacement. Um, <laughs> it's like paper thin. Yeah. Okay, so paper thin, almost not even there sometimes, is 100% effaced. We know the thinner they are, the more stretchy the cervix, typically a lot faster that they'll dilate. So you feel there as like a, th- as like a thinner cervix. So you can sort of gauge, like we're looking at how thick or thin it is and then – you know, you can find other areas. Like I'm like, my nose is like probably still 90. She's picking her nose right now. <laughs> I'm kind of picking my nose. Or like, <laughs> I don't know, my lip. Like every lip is going to be different. But like this is probably like 70. Like the the like width of my lip <laughs> here. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Earlobe. Earlobe's popular Earlobe. Ooh, mm-hmm. earlobe for 80. <laughs> Um, and then thereafter. So one of the ways that I also would teach when I'd precept when we'd be sitting around the nurse's station is I'd grab random things at the nurse's station and have them close their eyes and like put their finger. So I have like a mug here and this is like six and a half to seven centimeters. And then you check that way or the top of a water bottle I have here. And that would be like two to three. Um, you know, and so you can kind of like feel things around your house and then take a tape measure and see and guess like based on how open or closed you are, you can practice that way. Once you get this stuff, it is like riding a bike. Yeah. Like you have to think about it, but I'm like, eh, that's four. Like we're good. You know? So thinness is the, or effacement is the second component. And then station is how high or low the baby is based on the ischial spines in the pelvis, okay? So you have to know the anatomy of the pelvis. We talk about this in physiologic birth. Grab a pelvis on your unit. I hope you have one. If you don't, talk to your educators about it. Maybe they have one in their office you can look at. Because in the pelvis, I think, I don't know, I was feeling pubic bone for a while. Like I thought ischial spines was the pubic bone or the pubic symphysis mm. on the front part. It is not. It is on the sides, the lateral sides of the, of the vagina, 
when you're in there with two fingers, just move your hand left and right. Once your fingers are all the way in and what you're feeling for is any kind of firm resistance. It's not pointy, but it is a firm like nubbin <laughs> to use like non-technical terms sticking out on the side of your fingers. In some pelvises, like you'll be able to wiggle your hand left and right and kind of push for those bones pretty significantly. Like you have a lot of space. You've heard people say this. Or you reach and like those bones are like right on the sides of your fingers. Does it make a difference for whether or not baby can fit? Maybe, but probably not. Because all of this moves, it shifts in labor. It depends on so many different components, okay? We don't want to get that in people's heads when you're like, oh, there's not enough space, you know? And we hear that a lot. So, but what you're feeling for is if you stick your tongue on the side of your cheek, like you're pushing out, and feel for what that nubbin feels like, right? And so put your fingers up next to it. Like if you push against your cheek without your tongue there, it feels smushy. That's like the the vaginal wall. Now push your tongue up against your fingers, and all of a sudden there's like a knob. I'm envisioning or like a little bump. I hope so. We are. <laughs> We're going to have to make an Instagram post about it to like show you what we're talking about in this episode. But you sort of get the idea that like instead of it just being smushy, you're feeling for that resistance on the side. And based on, so your fingers are touching the top of baby's head. If you can't reach baby's head at all, no matter how hard you try or you can't reach the cervix at all, we're like a minus four, you know. Most of the time in labor, if, if you push put by push, I mean like reach far enough inside, you can touch the baby's head. That's probably a minus three to minus two is like you can feel it, but it's still pretty in there. Now, if we're actually being technical about this stuff and doing it right, we have to measure where our fingers, the tips of our fingers are touching the top of baby's head. And then from there, where are the ischial spines? So where's that little nubbin on your cheek? If you push your, so your your fingers are touching the top of baby's head or at least like the cervix that's in the way between the baby's head, right? So there's resistance. And then you're moving your hand just a little bit to the left or the right to hit the ischial spines. And where do they land on your finger? And we're thinking finger breaths. So if it's two finger breaths, and you can literally put your two fingers together to cross them, if it's two finger breaths that the bone is hitting below, so like on your knuckle, that then you're minus two. If now, all of a sudden, the baby's head, you move your fingers out a little bit more, and the nubbin is one on your very first knuckle, so like the the first bend in your finger, that that's minus one, right? Or one finger breath. Or if you are touching the baby's head and you move it left and right, and the bone is right there, like it's on the tip of your finger, you're at zero station. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's great. And then you're going towards positive station. So you go up and you're like, these bones are not on the sides of my fingers, actually, the head. And you're going to know this because you're you're not going to have to reach as far inside the vagina anymore. And so the head is like, oh, it's right there. And you'll kind of like, oh. And then what you're going to have to do is likely sweep your fingers around the edge of baby's head to feel for that resistance or that bone. Now, when you're pushing, a lot of people start pushing at zero plus one. And plus one, keep in mind, is not is not like a lot of the baby's head past the bone. It's one finger. So look at the roundness of your head in the mirror and put one finger down. There's still like a lot of the width of our heads, or you could do this on a baby doll too, because there's still a lot of head still 
up past the bone, but it's trying to come through versus it's floating in the pelvis. And by floating in the pelvis, everything is oriented to those ischial spines. You need to be able to envision this in your head, whether that be with a picture or a pelvis model. You can look on our position guide. We have like models and stuff in different ways that you can see where this is for station. And then you start coming through. Once, you're, once you can see the head, they're plus three. You don't have to check that. Do you think that we could, you, have you ever found your own ischial spines? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Go I've, in I've and never, dig around in there. Get out I'm there. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be so doing after go, this well, and you're not, and in that case, you're going to be a minus three, minus four slash, like there's going to be no resistance inside unless you're pregnant and you haven't told me already, you yeah. know? And so shocker. You're like, are you? <laughs> I'm like, I waited. That was my no. subtle way of asking if you're pregnant. No. <laughs> But otherwise, you're not going to hit that resistance. But when you're in there with two fingers, just move your fingers left and right and feel like you can even turn your hand because no one cares. It's your vagina as long as you're mm -hmm. comfortable with it and press until you find what that nubbin feels like. That's a great idea. I've never, I've never like intentionally been like, I'm going to go look for my ischial spines tonight, but <laughs> now I might. Well, I think that was really helpful. And like I said, I'm going to be going to find my ischial spines. I think I will too. <laughs> No, my nails are really long right now, so I'm going to be really careful. I'll put a glove on. Everyone always comments that, like, when you show your nails with anything, they're like, they're I hope you're not actually out. checking cervixes like that. And you're like, I'm, I'm like, not. How many times do I have to disclaim this? I, like, literally <laughs> my intro video for my YouTube channel, I'm like, okay, here's five things to know about my channel. One is... I'm not checking cervixes with these nails <laughs> because I like the DMs and like right. that is unsanitary. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm like the perks of not working in the hospital means I can have really cute nails all the time. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, so those are kind of the basics of finding. And then the other two things I'm assuming you were going to say, Sarah, about the other two parts of the cervical exam are going to be um, the consistency of the cervix. If it's Firm, soft, moderate is what we, you know, go by. And then if it's, we talked a little bit about it, posterior, midline, anterior. Mm -hmm. So those are all parts of the Bishop score and like the big picture. Um, the last couple of years, I, especially after like learning everything I have with Sarah, I've really considered like dilation is not a big deal to me in my mind anymore. It's more how soft they are, how a face they are and where a baby is. And so mm -hmm. I think that comes with time. Cause in the beginning, you're just so excited about finding that dilation. Mm -hmm. So, well, and it's how you respond too, because so often from a patient perspective, they're thinking like what they hear is dilation. Every story they've heard, I showed up to the hospital at four, I showed up at six, I was eight centimeters when I got my epidural. Like, yeah. no one's saying I was. I was 100% effaced when I got my epidural. <laughs> you so never true. hear that. Or like, my baby was zero station. Like, yeah, that's, that's not what's hurt. Or even so, the doctors don't even tell them that. They'll no, just, they'll they're just, just like, three. you're four. Right. Yep. And I like, I'll be virtual with someone. I'll be like, I need more information. Can you ask for the full exam? Yeah. You know? And so I think for us to give the full exam, give the full picture, they've let, they've maybe done some of that education. And then also to know that how we respond when we're telling what they are really does matter because they could be 120 when they arrive in triage and two hours later be 190. And you're like, you're still one versus you're 90% effaced, right. that's massive change. And honestly, from my perspective, I'm like, <laughs> I'm way more excited about that exam than I would be 20% effaced in three centimeters. Like so I'd be true. like, oh my God, go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. And that brings up a good point of the you're only one 
we really like to take, and we teach that a lot of mentorship to take that out of our vocabulary or you're still one. Mm-hmm. Um, those can be really impactful. And I think you learned that really being on the other side, right? Yeah. Cause you're hearing it from your clients and how defeated they are. Yeah. And they walk out the room and they're like, Oh, I'm like, no, no, we are one. We are one centimeter and we love one centimeter. You know, mind you, it's been a very long time since I've been in the hospital with a one centimeter patient if they're not being induced. So like now we're one. And now guess what? We rule in for a Foley balloon. That's exactly what we were looking for, Mm -hmm. for an induction. Or, you know, you're six, you're still six, you know, great. But what are the positives? Look at your contractions. Look at your effacement. This baby's coming down. Your own sensations. You were like chilling two hours ago and now we're huffing and puffing. There is progress. It's not just dilation. It's big picture. Note their progress because it's easy to feel defeated. It's easy to sort of throw your hands up and be like, ugh, fine. So true. That's great. On the same line too, you have your patient that comes in and, you know, they were like, they were closed in the office and they're one now. And so they're really defeated. You could be like, your body's doing it. It's starting to do. I learned that from you of like, you're, it's starting to do it. And that's amazing. And great. You got, you came in, you got checked, your baby's doing wonderful. And so now we know like it's starting and it could be really hopeful for them. Well, yeah. And that it's celebrating the baby steps, you know, especially for, for somebody who thinks they're in early labor and you're sending them home the number of times. And I heard it as a nurse. I hear it as a doula. I hear stories about it later. And it's, it's the, like, I came in and I was like really working hard and like really excited to like show that I was doing it. And they're like, oh, you're not even in labor. Go home. You know, like, just like I just said, which I wouldn't ever say to a patient. Right. But like, oh no, like, girl, it's, it'll be days. You you can just go home, go home. You'll feel so much more comfortable. Like, it's fine. And yet inside, it can feel really like, what? What do you mean go home? I'm working so hard already. And so that's where that compassionate side of nursing, of meeting them where they're at and really empowering them with like, and really what I would say in that case is do the education of like your one centimeter. This is amazing. Your body is starting up. Your hormones are shifting. Look at these beautiful contractions. Look how perfect your placenta is. This baby is thriving inside of you. And so right now, and you can show your finger, your cervix is this dilated. This baby's not gonna fall out of you. Things are brewing. But at this point in early labor, we don't know how long it's going to take. You could be back here in three hours. You could be back here in three days, you know? And they're like, what, three days? I'm like, who knows? Flex and flow, you know? And all of that is beautiful. Your body is is unraveling. Your cervix is dilating. This baby is coming. But that's sort of that, like, let's hold loosely to how fast or how slow All you have to do is one contraction at a time. You give them some coping tools. You give them some information. You tell them what they're looking for to come back. And then the other trick here that I'm going to give that I totally forgot about that I say a lot is that this is now you know what your baseline is. So what your sensations are right now are not active labor. So if this continues like it is, even if it intensifies a little bit or it kind of goes back and forth, remember irregulars, early labor, you learned that in my childbirth Mm -hmm. class, that then even if it continues, we know it's not time to return. What Mm -hmm. we are looking for is a significant change in your sensations. So right now you have a baseline and we know that what you're feeling right now is one centimeter dilation sensation. I love that. I'm listening to you like, oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) 
I say that a lot. Oh, uh, the baseline. I love it's that. It's a baseline. And it, it sort of reframes the education. It reframes even them feeling like, oh my God, I feel so ashamed mm-hmm. I came in too early. No, no, no. What a beautiful opportunity for you to receive some education, get some more information about what's going on, and then feel even more confident to go home and enjoy your environment. Go get a snack, walk it out, get your nails done, like watch a movie, grunt and groan, take a shower. Um, and we'll see you soon, you know, and that's what you leave them with. That is so much more hopeful and empowering than you're not in labor, girl. You got so much time. Don't even worry about it. Like you're doing great, but like, it's not time yet. Just like, you know, go home and rest. Like it's really hard to rest Like (laughs) when they're working so hard. Moaning through these contractions. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great point. Um, something we haven't talked on this. And we're really big on this and we're really into this episode and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about is asking for consent for cervical exams. And so I don't know about you, but I was taught that you just, I'm going to perform a cervical exam or it's time to do a cervical exam. It wasn't Mm -hmm. taught to me to ask. It was a, they're here. Obviously I have to check them. They have no choice kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. Like the the dial is turning on this. Is that the right? I don't think that's the right saying. Uh, sure. I'm, you're the I wrong person mean. to ask for that. I am the wrong person. <laughs> I am the worst at, at slash the best at messing up idioms. Because I always say I'm a foreigner. Yeah, I'm a foreigner. Like, I don't know what they are. I'm just trying to fit in. <laughs> so, so um, I'm really bad at them too, but it is so easy to ask for consent and should mm-hmm. be the norm. It's so it's, it takes the same amount of time to say, is it okay if I check your cervix now versus it's time to check your cervix now. Well, and I think this practice change has been happening. We've it been talking sure. about this. Like you, we should, you all should be like, duh, at this point, if you've been following us or like doing any kind of education with us, we are always asking for consent. And the answer, they may look at you like, yeah, like, duh, why are you asking? But keep asking because Please. they are, right. Yeah. I mean, they are paying attention and they're <laughs> noticing it and it feels better than feeling violated. When you are touching a place that very few people touch, um, that needs, they need to tell you it's okay, right? And and regardless of your gender, that still consent needs to happen. And what I do, yes. this, you know what I was thinking back because when you said we were going to record this episode, I was like, huh, where did I learn that tip? And it was directly Mm. from Penny Simkin. She came Mm. down to my hospital and did grand rounds and then did a session on dystocia related to, like labor dystocia related to- I didn't know she went to your hospital. She like spoke at our hospital. You also saw uh, Michelle O'Dent too. Yeah, I did. That was at another event. I know, it's LA. We're so spoiled. I know. I'm so LA. (laughs) And so, but this was, I was a a per diem nurse at this hospital and I like had read there was some like labor forum thing. It was free and like some big person was coming to speak. This was before I did any kind of childbirth education. This was like very early in my career. And I saw Penny Simkin speak and I remember being like, ding, ding, ding. Oh Mm. my God, I need to ask for consent. And then she taught, I think she taught, somebody taught early, this was probably a year and a half in. And it was when you get them set up, talk them through before their legs are spread, before you've exposed them and say, hey, how do you feel about a vaginal exam? You know, or by vaginal, I mean cervical. (laughs) We get a lot of flack for either one. Like it's like, it's a V-E-S-V-E. That's that cervical, same, same. Um, But when you're checking 
the cervix that you would ask for permission and say, how do you feel about it? Here's the rationale behind. And then they go, yeah, great. When they give you that, then you talk them through what to expect. Maybe some tips. Let me tell you that like, you know, like if you ever say stop, it is a stop and that we are respecting their stop mm -hmm. and their no. If they're running up the bed, we've all seen this. If they are running up the bed, remove your hand. Whether they're telling you stop or not, if they are resisting and pulling away, we need to respect their autonomy over their body. There is body language communicating it's not okay. They may say, no, keep going. Take your hand out and let them relax and come back to another consent. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, <laughs> she would say like, you know, like have them and have them open their knees. We are never forcing knees open. Um, this is also the person who wrote When Survivors Give Birth. I actually did that instructor training. I just need to go through the certification. Then a, a class is coming for you when I can get my head around it um, because it's a huge area of passion for me. And so, you know, that you let them open their knees and then you get ready and you say, okay, you tell me when you're ready. And it, they may say, yeah, go. Or they may say, and you'll notice this, the more you do this, they may be like, <sighs> okay, give me like a second. Okay, yes, I'm ready. It may take a moment and that's okay, but we are respecting their body autonomy in that way. And then the other tip that I, again, I think it was her, I, it's been so long now, but was like, okay, you're gonna feel my touch on your leg closer to your vagina. My, I'm inserting my two fingers and then you're not staring at their vagina. Once your fingers are in, it is a blind exam. Please like look away. Some people it feels awkward to make eye contact. You're like, I'm staring into your eyes. That's weird. You know, look off to the side, but don't sit and stare and dig around. That also can feel really like vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so fingers are in and then if they ever say no, they stop, whatever, that that's, that's a no. And then you take your hands out and be like, what can I do to make you feel more comfortable? You know, I'm so close. I find it sometimes too, like, especially for a hard exam, they'd be like, and I'd be like, breathe through it. I know I'm so sorry. I'm so close. The cervix is really high. This is going to get easier. You're doing so amazing. Like stick with it, you know, and this is if they're not saying no, stop, whatever, like kind of powering through it. And you know, yeah. it's a hard exam where you're really having to reach yeah. up far. Um, and again, they say stop, hands out, you wait, switch your glove, let's try again. Like there's very few circumstances, and it does happen, where there's an emergency where we're like shoving our hand up there and I gotta find the cervix. You know, and obviously like cord prolapse or, you know, like those kind of things. Even in those moments, it takes one second. I have to check your cervix. We're very concerned about the heart rate. I need to know that everything's okay. Is that all right? Yes. Fingers in. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to, okay, open your knees. Now take a deep breath. Like in an emergency, obviously yeah. we're flexing and flowing. But for the most part, 95% of the time, to give an extra three minutes on your clock can make all the difference for their experience and it makes your exam easier when they're resisting you like how many times do you have to be like okay drop your butt <laughs> like right. okay let's reset like and then it takes five minutes when like you can go in pop your fingers in and oh all right you're 380 minus two and yeah. it helps just build your rapport for the totally. rest of your shift and all your other exams too which is great totally what was the thing that Krista said? If in people that don't know her, Krista Dancy is a trauma therapist that is amazing. And we offer one of her classes in mentorship and she's going to be in Cancun. 
she mentioned there are four of her classes on our site that you can purchase right now to become more trauma informed from a perinatal psychologist that's amazing they will blow your minds by the way yeah so trauma level one trauma level two grounding techniques and then healing trauma for the birth professional which is my personal favorite but she said something during when she was teaching the classes about the patient you'll you'll explain the story better i know you that you know remember the story i'm Mm -hmm. talking about yeah i think this was one of like the most impactful things that when we were filming those classes for you i was like oh my god you are so right and the the idea was that for us we are so comfortable with vaginal exams with painful procedures we're so comfortable with moans and groans and like it's supposed to hurt like of course you know like we're not maybe and i'm not i don't want to speak for everyone but like in comparison to maybe some other people we're kind of like callous to the like experience of pain well, and we hear pain, and we're like, "Ooh, good!" You know, we always right. joke like we're the only people that want pain. You know, because yes. something's happening. Yeah. Yes. And so, with that, that being our baseline, that for the patient, they are not, and they're not used to that same like level of comfort with pain. And so, for them, there's a miscommunication a lot of times happening with no and stop because. For us to hear no, right, or like, ah, or, oh, my God, oh, my, ooh, uh, ah, ah, you know, where they're freaking out, we're like, okay, suck it up. Like, that's just how it goes, you yeah. know? For them in their minds, when they make those noises or they pulled away or I flinched or I resisted or I was like, ooh, that's a lot, that's a lot, and they didn't stop, for them, they were meaning stop, but they didn't use the word stop. Mm-hmm. And for us, we heard, oh, oh my God, ooh, ah, no, ah, geez, oh my God, oh my God, pulling away. And for us, we're like, well, let me power through it and get this thing done. And so there's a miscommunication where for them, they meant no, stop, and we didn't stop, and they felt violated. And trauma can happen. And so instead, it's and establishing- And they went to see a trauma therapist. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. like- Like life impact- Right. To the point where they're seeking support because of those moments that we do not mean to have. Mm-hmm. And so this is where if we can be over communicators related to our vaginal exams and, and say, uh, like, look you in the eye and say, listen, when I check you, if you ever don't wa- don't want me to continue and you want me to stop, I need you to say the word stop. If you need to moan, if you need to like breathe deeply or like wince, you know, I, when you resist, it makes it harder for, and like it takes a little bit longer. So I want you to try to relax through it. But if you use the word stop, that is a hard stop. My fingers are out. We are done. Okay. And you make that agreement between the two of you so there isn't miscommunication. And then if they say stop, they say stop, you stop. And that that is paramount. Like you can't not, you can't push through that. You cannot. Yeah. If they say no, we are we are not assaulting our patients. And that's what it ends up becoming if they've said no and are and we continue. Yep. I know that's intense, but like that's the truth. And if you're watching an exam happening and they're saying no, out, no, and we're standing there, our words are saying she's saying no, they're saying no, and encouraging and advocating for our patients. And just being strong. Yeah. Like looking at the provider and saying the provider's name and saying, she's saying no. And kind of like, you need to get this or you need to stop. And, And I would go so far. If you're watching this and you know this patient is maybe not using the word stop, but 
like it's not okay what you're seeing is to the provider they're saying no you need to stop and if they don't stop then you need to escalate that you need to yeah. write them up do what you need your steps with your hospital they need that needs to be reported it mm-hmm. can't be not reported anymore mm-hmm. we have to end this cycle mm-hmm. yep so this started all like fun i know and now i'm laughing like, like oh dang <laughs> So sorry, guys. Take a deep breath. But go find a hole in the bowl. Oh, go find. <laughs> and know that we can protect these patients. This is mm-hmm. trauma informed care, and this is mm-hmm. why you need those classes. This is why this education on this podcast. This is just barely scratching the surface of all the ways that we can just develop a practice that not only is trauma informed, but that protects our patients and their psyche, their experience, and builds a relationship where they walk away feeling whole, complete, loved, cared for, successful, empowered, all those things that we want for our patients. Thanks for spending your time with us during this episode of Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. If you liked what you heard, it helps us if you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, and share this episode with a friend. If you want more from us, head to Bundle Birth Nurses or follow us on Instagram or TikTok. Now it's your turn to take what you learned today, ask for consent, protect your patients, find those holes in the bowls, and let us know how it goes. Let us know if it gets easier for you after this episode. We'll see you next time.